how is your go-to at three o'clock in the morning? Let me flip on this Norwegian film. That's barely even in no. English. Okay. How was so that it was, it, listen, it was like Cloverfield esque. <laughs> yeah. It was like their version of Cloverfield, except it was trolls. And it looked interesting to me. And I, I lurk on imager, which I'm sure you're familiar with. And People are like, yo, this is, this is actually low-key a good movie. And it was. It was dope. It's just I had to read subtitles. Okay. I just, okay. I think it's time to start the podcast. <laughs> I can't even get into breaking that down. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 104 of Beyond the Blade pre-training camp edition. I am your co-host, Chad Dinamenesis, and as always, I am joined by Anthony Chandra and Bill Shockey. What is going on on this fine evening, gentlemen? I'll tell you, Chad, triple digits. has a nice ring to it, 104, but uh, training camp, man. I can't believe it's here already, huh? Pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's uh, you know, I'll be at the first practice tomorrow, so that'll be that'll be good to kind of get back into it. That usually feels like the uh, the first day of school, so that's all. It's always interesting to get get the, those juices pumping again. Anthony, you know, I, I give you credit. You kind of had a really nice uh, article on um, Kruger, almost said Housley on Kruger to kind of get the juices <laughs> pumping a little bit. That was that was well done and a way to kind of get us back into it. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that, bud. Yeah, no, it, it is like the first day of school a little bit. Uh, you know, you had all the players with their what did I do this summer sheets, you know, <laughs> on Twitter. So that's always kind of fun. Um, I like the fact that uh, Rasmus Dallin spends his summers on a lake listening to uh, Swedish house music. Like, uh, like I think Kevin mentioned it on, on Twitter. I thought that was pretty funny. But yeah, no, the the, the Kruger thing is going to be important. So, uh, you know, you get you need you need a big transition from last season where it was maybe the worst optimized Sabres team I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. It's he's I think he's one of the great the way I think the way they put it, the thing I wrote today is he's one of the great mysteries, you know, kind of going into training camp in the preseason, the season itself. So I think he's one of the topics I think we'll eventually get to today, but there's kind of a, a handful of things we kind of want to touch on. There's you now we're gonna talk about the prospects channels a little bit. We're kind of then get into the training camp part of it. Um we actually got a lot of good questions and so we're gonna kinda let a lot of the questions kind of drive our conversation today. So that's gonna be kind of how we're gonna roll. But uh Right, we're like I said. I think we're going to start here is kind of what happened over the weekend, and that was the prospects challenge. You know, there were some, there were some players in there that kind of made some some good first impressions heading into training camp. And Erasmus Asplund, I think, was one of the best players on the team over those three games. Victor Olofsson just looked like he didn't belong in the tournament at all. 
in a good way, of course, not in a bad way, in a good way, in a good way. Uh, Arturo Ristolainen looks like he might be legit in the real deal, so that's kind of good to see. And then Will Borgen, I thought he kind of looked good. I mean, beyond that, some other players look good too. Like Dylan Cousins looked fine. I think Casey Fitzgerald had a good tournament. You know, some other guys too, like options for the roster. I mean, you never know with Cousins, but I would say at this point, I, I just don't think that really makes sense. But beyond that, those were some guys I was impressed with. And I don't know, Anthony and Bill, how much you guys saw yourselves or kind of what you took away from it. Yeah, I watched pretty much the – I watched the entire of the first game uh, and caught pieces of the second one, highlights of the third one. But, um, I, I mean, overall, I, I think the guys that you mentioned are kind of the guys that stood out to me as well. I, I think you can throw Yoki Haru in there too. I think he looked, you know, uh, above skill-wise. Uh, everyone else that was out there, uh, he, had, he had some hiccups, but I think for the most part he looked – uh, pretty good. Um, I, I think the guy I was watching the most would be Rustalainen in the first game. I mean, you could see it. Actually, I think it was the second game where he had the speed on the goal, right? Where I think I'm he tweeted the third out game where he like he yeah he almost yeah. went he went, like what the close the coast pretty much yeah, right. And then I think it was Brett Murray like finished it off, but Rustalainen carried the puck the whole way. Yep. So that one really stood out to me. Um, I mean, Borg with a big hit, nice goal too on that that one slap shot. I mean, yeah, I, overall, I think the the Sabres prospects kind of did what we wanted and expected them to do in that tournament. Uh, and the, the guys that you kind of expected to stand out stood out. So I, I would say overall a, a successful weekend uh, for Sabres prospects coming into training camp here. Yeah, well, there was no 10-2 drubbing of the Penguins prospects <laughs> right. this year. Um, <laughs> it was very good. You know, I, I really loved Rasmus Asplund. I mean, he to me, he looked as close as I guess you would get in that situation to an NHL or Victor Olofsson, like you said, didn't belong there at all. Uh, some promising things from Rutzelainen. Um, you know, the, the one guy I, I actually uh, quite enjoyed is your boy, uh, Yoki Haru, uh, just kind of confirmed our, you know, uh, pre-existing notion that he definitely belongs in the NHL this year and anything else is unacceptable. And yeah, I mean, it was, it was good. It went, it, like Bill said, it went as, as well as it could have, I guess. So the one guy I want to talk to you about, Anthony, I know you're kind of high on him. Uh, he got a lot of buzz. You know, he's, I don't know, he's like a, I don't know, he's like a Sabres guy or Buffalo fan guy, I guess you could say. Matei <laughs> Picard, he had, you know, he had a couple goals. He got in that fight. He's kind of that pesty guy where, you know, I, I kind of think personally, my opinion is I think people kind of get a little, are a little bit carried away with him at this point. He's a fourth round pick, hasn't completed a full year of junior hockey, like, I mean, it's not saying he can't be something down the road. I just think maybe we're getting a little ahead of ourselves here. Like, I don't he's, think he belongs in Rochester at all by any means. I think he should go back to Barry, but I'm just kind of curious. self-proclaimed cute. He self-proclaimed cute. That was pretty funny. <laughs> that was good. That was one of the funnier things I've heard in a while. That was pretty good. I, I'm still, I'm just kind of generally curious of your kind of, your guys' thought. And, and like I said, Anthony, I know he's kind of, he's kind of your guy a little bit. Yeah, I'm actually a little ashamed. I forgot about him in a little synopsis there. Um, Yeah, he's he's cool. I mean, he's he's fun. He's a fun player. I, I'm not, you know... I'm not trying to say he's a guaranteed surefire NHLer, but I like what he brings. I, you know, I like his pace. I, you know, he yeah, he he kind of fits that Buffalo cliche, like you were talking about, right? That lunch pail guy that everybody loves. It's it's why you know Jake McCabe is still a folk hero to some people, just because he's you know one of the only guys who's going to drop the gloves on this team. But I, I don't know. He's he, he I he, I'm entertained by him, and I think that's that's what I like. I, you know, he's not. I'm not saying he's going to be some elite player, but um, I find him entertaining. I find him fun to watch. I think you said fire. I think fire is a good word for him. Uh, I think he he seems like a guy who who shows up every day. He's going to work hard. He's going to give you his all every day. But, I mean, I, I think I'm kind of in the Chad camp here where 
he's a nice story. He'll be nice to follow, but as to actually like end game potential, I, I just don't know that it's there. I, I think it's more of a, a fan reaction to a guy that you want to do well, which is fine. And um, of course, I, I mean, I, you, guys like that, you do want to, you know, make it and do well, but uh, realistically, I, I even just looking at the team now, and I, I know he's probably years away, but I just don't necessarily know how he gets there. Yeah, I mean, as, as a fourth-line guy, I'm fine with it, right? I mean, let him – I don't know. I mean, if he wants to be on a line – you know, I, I think Kevin from Twitter has always kind of banged the drum. It's Edelman Steele, his thing. It's, you know, Picard, Asplin, Davidson can be a really lethal fourth-line for you down the road. So maybe that's kind of what you hope for. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, if he evolves into that as a fourth-round pick, I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. Yeah, as long as the progression's still there. I mean, I'm fine with that too, of course. Right, right, exactly. All right, so we'll move into the main – important piece the meat and potatoes of the podcast the real deal the lights are going on i mean kind of in a way uh training camp practices start tomorrow uh players reported today and some met with the media including rasmus ristolainen who said he refused not refused but he declined to comment if he asked for a trade which means that he 100% probably requested a trade. <laughs> so <laughs> so it's day one of that. You've seen about three or four Rissline articles going through your Twitter feed about him being here, and he's okay with it for now. Just, I, I don't know, fellas, I feel like this is kind of a, I guess we'll kind of start with Rissline in here before we jump into the rest of the training camp things. I, I feel like this is, it's going to be a story every day. I feel like people are going to be a lot of eyes on him, a lot of questions. And, you know, again, it's something I kind of talked about. It, and in a way, I don't feel like it really had to be this way. I think a lot of people going into this kind of thought he wouldn't be here, and yet here we are. So it's it's going to be interesting how this goes. You know, it's kind of his demeanor, kind of how the way it plays out in the room, how the coach handles it, how his play is. You know, it, it, it's going to be a story, and I it's kind of unfortunate because it can be a distraction when it really didn't have to be. And that's kind of where I was going to go with it is it, it's this is kind of where fans and media can play a, a role um, because – like you said, I, I think everyone at this point expected him to be gone. He's here. And the longer he's here and depending on how he plays, it's going to be questions and stories pretty much every step of the way from here on out. And if that turns even more toxic or kind of what comes out of it, um, it's going to be really interesting to watch, especially if we get to opening night roster and he's there. Um, I think it's going to be, it's, it's going to be a thing. It's going to be a thing for the, the entirety of him being here, unless all of a sudden he starts playing lights out or something. But, who knows that that's going to happen. Right, right. Yeah, Ristolainen, his his mere presence there today, it just felt awkward. And, you know, I wasn't in the room, but it just everything you were reading, everything he was saying, it just felt like, yeah, I'm here. Like, what else you want? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it, totally. It, you know, and, and for a guy who's probably read his name, I mean, he 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 liked and then unliked a, a tweet about him getting traded on Twitter this summer. <laughs> so, I mean, the guy's obviously aware uh, of the conversations that have been going on amongst fans. So, I mean, putting myself in his shoes, that's an awkward position to jump into for sure. So, uh, yeah, like like um, like Bill just said, it's going to be a little a little uneasy, right? A little bit of a weird kind of tense situation unless he starts lighting it up and all those talks go to bed. Didn't Eichel say something too? Yeah, he did. Kind of like he, you know, if he's here, he has to be bought in and that whole thing. And, um, you know, even the GM kind of was like, you know, he's not going to comment on it. And even the coach was like, well, if he's here, then I'm going to coach him. That's my job. And there's just a whole bunch of just comments yeah, just, in general. Like, it's, I don't know. And kind of to your point, like, 
the way that the comments all are, it's not like everybody's 100% behind him. It's the captain saying, if he's here, he better be bought in. It's the coach saying, if he's here, you know, I'm going to coach him up the best I can. It's just the whole thing has gotten to a point where, and I think Anthony's right, the word is awkward. The entire thing is just, it's got to be tough for the guy. It's got to be tough for the team, for the coach. Uh, and the GM's at some point, he's got to do something, right? Right, and I think that's the thing too that a lot of those gets lost in because I mean a lot of you know there's a handful of people you know out the segment out there that that's against Ritzelainen, and I, I think you know in in terms of the player this this really isn't doesn't really fair to the player. Say what you no. want. If he's not happy here, um, if he's not really even comfortable playing here, now he has to come into an awkward situation where his teammates might know that he did ask for a trade and doesn't want to be there. So he's got to deal with that. Like, and then he's got to deal with a new coach. Then he's got to deal with improving his game and having a successful season just it really just doesn't get off to the right foot and you know I, I think even for the player himself regardless of you know making your team better or should have been done this or that I, I think just for the player itself I, I kind of feel like you're gonna just not really doing him any favors here it's a bad situation I don't know I mean I don't want to spend a lot of time on it because like I, said, I feel like we're gonna be talking about it a ton anyways over the next like month or so yep. here but uh so real quick question number one uh I didn't do ads because funny enough all of our Friendly question people have full first and last name, so I just wrote okay. that. Uh, Matt Cannon, odds that Ristolainen is traded. I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there's this wild Vancouver rumor out there that I'm um, 100% sure isn't true, but I, I don't know. I, I, I'll still go with if you want some whatever, but I said before, it's there's still optimism last time I checked that eventually a move's going to happen, and that's kind of what I'll stick to. I, I don't know. I, I honestly don't was great. I thought he'd be gone by now. I did, and here he is, and I don't know. Maybe maybe something works out with somebody. It, it feels like Winnipeg, but I don't know. I can't even be sure about that, so I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Justin Falk might go here for Andre Kashi in any day now, and I might lose my mind, but it's interesting. We'll see what happens. I, I really can't – I don't know. What would I say? 50-50 at this point, I guess, is kind of where I'd put it because it's, it's, it's a crazy situation like we just talked about. That's, at least that's my take on it. I don't know, Anthony or Bill, it feels something different, but that, that's where I'm at. I'll just say real quick, two weeks ago, we were what? Two, three weeks ago, 70-30? Yeah. Or 50-50, me and Anthony. So yeah. the fact that we're now here at training camp and here he is, um, I guess a shock to us all. Yeah, it, it's so funny because you feel like you get that vibe. Well, it has to happen, right? But you've had that vibe kind of all summer where it just you felt that it was going to come to a head at some point and still nothing. So, yeah, I've, I've, uh, I don't know if I've changed from my 50-50 because I, I think I was a little skeptical to begin with, but now I'm super skeptical. I will say if Carolina ends up moving Falk, it's, it'll be kind of disappointing where it was kind of what we wanted the Sabres to do. Carolina's about to pull off. Right. It's, Bring in Gardner. Yeah. Too, you know, and then and just was, move out Falk. There was interest in Kasha and the Sabres part, and then Vancouver, or Vancouver, Carolina's going to swoop in and get them. And it's just crazy. I mean, someone kind of put it out there. I forgot who it was. So I wish I can give him credit, but kind of that Carolina's having the offseason that you kind of hope the Sabres would. I mean, if you listen to the 31 Thoughts podcast the other day, they, in, Nick Ehlers is one of the interviews. It was a really good interview, by the way. Just listen to it if you haven't yet. But Friedman said before it that there was there was rumors he was hearing that Carolina was close to acquiring Ehlers, and then it just it kind of just didn't happen. But they were close on it. So like it's like Carolina has been out there like trying to make these moves happen and, and getting close on a few things, and now they're close on Kasha here. Just Falk will wave. It's a little bit of jealousy in there, you know. And like I said, they get Gardner, then they immediately move off Falk, or at least are trying to, and it seems like they they're going to eventually do it. It's little jealousy, especially that, you know, some people are still bitter about Carolina where I've kind of let that go and I more respect what they do, at least the way they do the 
their analytics side of it and Tulski and, you know, here he is again trying to make that move and grab Kashe for Falk, which would be highway robbery, but not surprising. Anyway, it's frustrating in general. This is overall, it's kind of a frustrating situation. So I think it's a good spot to put in question two number here. What are overall feelings of Bottrell as a GM going into year three from James Conti? Yeah, I mean, that kind of ties in, right? It ties into the training camp thing here. It's, yep. I feel like I'm doing a lot of talking here, so I'll, I'll let Anthony talk a little bit because he hasn't talked much. But, you know, for me, quickly, it's I think he's kind of made some good moves here. The Miller move was good. The Okihara move was good. The Vonson signing was fine. Uh, VC, well, I don't love it. You know, it's only a third-round pick, so whatever. But it's it feel like he didn't go over the top. He didn't he didn't make that final move, that big move in the top six, which they kind of needed, right? That top six forward or even another center. So that's kind of my thing. And then one thing quickly, I guess is kind of where I'll pass it to Anthony maybe to dispute me here. Cause I think he was going to be tagged in on this is there was a quote where recently, I forgot what it might've been in Vogel's article where, you know, Botterell said that he talked about, you know, in his actions, it's not lip service, but something about his actions that he's shown that he'll play younger players over veterans uh, when push comes to shove. And I, I personally had to push back on that because when has that happened? Like Matt Molson, that's it, right? It's all you can think of, right, is Matt Molson. Because I remember numerous times last year there was players struggling, veterans, and he refused to call out players. Or players would come up for one game or short stints and go back. Like, you, you say the- that, but honestly, it, it is lip service because literally the only example I can think of is Matt Molson where he did that. And when the younger players were brought up, it wasn't the veterans that were struggling that were set Right, exactly. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I mean, the, the best guy you can go back to, you know, for reference last year was Lawrence Pilot. I mean, how many times did he have to come up for, for a cup of coffee, look great, and then get sent back down while Marco Scandella it was a regular. I think he played 76 games or something. So, yeah, I, I do think it was a little bit lip service. I don't think he has a historical precedent of, of handling his players that way. Um, but but to, get, to go back to the question, uh, incomplete, great. I'm not upset or happy with him. It's tough for me to judge a GM when you had a coach the last two years who across and it's a guy he hired. I get it, but across the board just failed in every discernible way to to just optimize a lap to get the most out of what he had. So Bottero gets gets another chance for me, but he's he's far from uh, you know he's he's far from the guy for me. The, the long term, yes, he's our GM. Oh my gosh, we found our savior. Yeah, and then that kind of gets to the whole big issue overall talking point of training camp is and this roster is loaded at forward and defense. I mean, I think when I wrote about it yesterday, there was arguably 10 defensemen that are coming to camp that could make the roster. And that doesn't count Honwick, who's done for the season, Bogosian, who's out for a while, and Pilot, who's obviously, according to Bottle, out until mid-October. So, like, I mean, there, there's, 10, there's 10 players. Like, the frustrating thing is sitting here today, Unless Yoki Haru is going to go play on the left side and Scandella is going to sit, he's going back to the minors. He's not going to beat out Miller. He's not going to beat out Montour, and he's not going to beat out Rissalainen on the right side. That's not happening. So he's going back. If Scandella is going to stay, then I, I don't know. Is Pilot, when he's ready, is he going to come right back up, or is he also going to be in the minors too? Like It, it gets back to like an article that I wrote about and I reshared yesterday that it really is with this defense. It, it's frustrating because it seems like that they – are willingly going to ice a defensive group that is worse than what they have to put out there. I mean, you could have Yoki Haru, and you can have Pilot, and you can have Scandella out. You could put John Gilmore in, who might be able to get you through until Pilot gets back, you know, instead of Scandella. But I, I just feel like that's not going to happen. 
And your left side is going to be Darlene, which is great. Jake McCabe and and Scandella, which we know what he is. And that's going to be your left side. And I feel like that it's going to hurt your team. And and it it also just, it also still sets up the possibility that we're still going to get a Scandella and a wrist line and pairing at some point, which we all know is a mess and one of the worst ideas ever that you can do as a pairing. But that possibility exists because if you start, if you start writing out your lineups and think about it, I mean, let's quickly do it. I mean, it's Darlene and who? I don't know, Colin Miller or Montour. Then it's Jake McCabe, and you would say probably Miller or Montour, whoever's not up there. And then that leaves Scandella and Ristolainen, right? I mean, <laughs> I don't know, unless you're going to put Ristolainen up with, I don't know if you're going to put him up with Darlene, but that means he's playing top pair minutes. Don't you want to cut down his minutes? So it's, I don't know, man. It, it's crazy. This this whole defense thing is really what helps you wrapped up. And then the offense, too, I don't know. It's There's just too many players here. They brought back the entire roster besides Pominville. And it's just, it's insane how nobody's moved out yet. As I say, is it, it sounds like a slow start to the season to me, boys. Slow start to the season, and then things start to happen as things are not going well. Or they could do just the smart thing and scratch Marco Scandella and put Lawrence Pilot with Rasmus Ristolainen, the one partner last year he actually had some semblance of success with. And it would be on the third pairing kind of by default, but no, we won't do that. Well, and here's the thing. It's, it's kind of – I know you – you're right with like the stuff that Housley did and, and how he deployed everything terribly. But at, at some point you got to still remember, like, it's not just a, like Botcher was the boss and he did nothing to kind of make some changes at the end of the season there. I, I just, yeah, you're right. You gotta, you gotta, we're, I, I feel like we're back and hoping and, and obviously it's a new coach, so we can, and we, we, it's going to be nice to see over the next couple of days here, kind of what happens. We got a game on Monday uh, we're gonna start to see some lineups, lines that Kruger's putting on the ice. But until I see a different, you know, defensive lineup than kind of what Chad just laid out there, I'm pretty much expecting at least a lineup that kind of was iced at the end of last season. Yeah, I mean, you're right. It, it really is. Except you're gonna throw Victor Olsson in, Marcus Johansson, and Jimmy Vc. I mean, um, how, how much more is that getting you? better? But that kind of gets back to the projections that we just kind of want to talk about, right? Where there's you're bringing back the same roster and adding a few pieces that aren't going to move your needle in any way, shape, or form. I mean, Dom and I talked about this a little bit. I mean, you're, he, I think he brought up a really good point. It's not only the Sabres' job or to bring in more talent. Probably their top priority was addition by, addition by subtraction, and they didn't do that. And then here's where they are. Likely going to be a low 80s-point team right now unless something crazy and drastic happens. And... You know, it, it's it's unfortunate, but I mean that, that's kind of the reality that we're in. We talked about a little bit about last podcast, not to be Debbie Downers with the season right on the corner, but uh, you know, we talked we've, we've talked this team up for a couple of years now, and I just I don't <laughs> have it in me to do it anymore. I, I think it's just time to take a little dose of reality and kind of just accept it now. This is kind of where they are, and maybe some good things happen, and you can get some you know improvement or some players have better years than expected, and that then the things happen to you, right? And goaltending is improved and some good things happen for you, but just sitting here now, it, it's hard to predict that. Yeah. I think you talked about it a little bit on Twitter this past week where we get up in arms every off season about the bad point projections that the Sabres have, you know, and it's like, how often are they wrong though? You're right. Exactly. Usually, usually not. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, you, like you said, unless something drastic happens, you know, Lena Solmark has that crazy, you know, corner turn type of year where, you know, he hits his prime, so to speak. I know goalies kind of develop weird, and like like you've said in the past, they're voodoo. Um, but 
Yeah, it's uh, as Darcy Regeer would say, the hope tank is is a, I don't want to say it's empty, but it's 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 not full. I mean, we've been sold this thing for so long, right? At, at yeah. this point, like you got to see it. Like you've you know you've been sold improvement for year after year after year. There's only so much of the very You got to show me now. Like it, it's got to happen. You know, it, it's I understand you have these young players, you have this young core, but I don't know, like you got to build around it at some point here. Like you have to do something. You have to change something. I mean, you're you're bringing back a 76-point team and just adding a few. Again, I, I want to be careful because not, they're not bad players, but you're adding a few marginal, slightly above replacement players. I mean, it's yeah, nothing that's extraordinary. I mean, Marcus Johansson at this point in his career is not what he was a couple of years ago. He's still a good player, but nothing crazy. Jimmy VC. I don't know. I mean, you're, you're, if you're going to get the same production as you got that Pommelville gave you, but worse defense, and it's a net negative. I mean, it's, you know, and if you're going to dress pretty much the same blue line, I, mean, it's, I don't know. I mean, you're, you're banking on Dallin having a drastic improvement and Kruger being some sort of Barry Trotz whiz that we weren't aware of and your goaltending having a massive turnaround. And I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to have that all come together in one season. Or, oh, by the way, you got a whole Victor Olves and shoots. The lights out and scores like 25, 30 goals for you too, maybe. It's just a lot of what ifs they have to go into it to have a really good season and, and be a playoff contender. Hmm. Setting coach up for failure, part two. <laughs> I mean, in, in a way. Kind of, right? Yeah. I mean, it's. I, I, and I think it's, it's, it goes back to, and I think Anthony put it nicely, that it's, it's kind of just, I feel like this kind of happened last year too, didn't it? Where it's, it's like an incomplete again where you made some nice moves, you move some pieces, even if he moves Risto at this point, you just, you still have so much of the garbage here that you didn't get rid of where we're not going into camp for how many years is it now, Chad? Three, four, where we're yeah. saying you have one or two spots that maybe CJ Smith, you're, you know, maybe somebody can come up and, and play in, but they're going to have to be lights out to, to bounce these veterans out and, I mean, and where are you going to stash them all at this point? And that's kind of the other big question too. Like, even even if they make the right decisions, it's going to be a they little bit tough them all. to make it work. Right? You can't. You can't. And, and Keith, you know, from Let's Go Amex, we have on here. You know, he's making a lot of good points on Twitter. You can't just send them all to Rochester. It, it's not that simple. It's not that easy. It can't happen. Just loan them. You can't. I'm, ju- I'm joking. I know you're being sarcastic, I'm but I'm just I'm, I'm just reiterating what I said. You can't. Because you can only play so many veterans, and you can't have Zemgis Gurgensen sitting in the press box in Rochester. Like, it, why not? The way it works, Dad. <laughs> why not? Because then your GM I, just shouldn't sign him to a one-year deal. I hate. Then that, that's it, right? It's <laughs> the crux of the issue, right there. Oh man. Well, they don't have you know. There's just thirty-foot wall of veterans in their way. It's like yeah, they, he brought them all back intentionally. You can even go back to last year where he signed Scott Wilson to a two-year extension for some reason. It's it's right. bonkers. After not qualifying him. Right. I don't know. I don't know what you can do. You know, it's, it's, it's a hard situation. And, and again, this kind of gets back to the overall first question is the whole vets versus rookies thing. Like I, I just, I, I'm not going to believe it until I see it. It's cool. It's lip service. You're going to tell people coming into camp. Yeah. Hey, if you, you know, you, you practice hard, you play hard and show you're good. You know, you're going to earn a spot in this roster. Like, okay. But if push comes to shove, you're going to be like, I don't know. I, I can send, Rasmus Aspen through waivers. I, I can send Yogi Haru through waivers. I can send Pilot through waivers. I can... And that's what they'll do. Right, exactly. Not exactly. to sound like a, like a skeptic. I almost said something not nice. But it's, it's, it's just what it is. 
<laughs> I mean, I mean, what, what what you can do is say, "Oh, look, Victor Olofsson made the team." We're like, well, okay, but yeah, we always knew he was probably going to make the team. Like that's he's penned in somewhere. Yeah, right. Obviously, right. And that's right. I don't know. I mean, again, we could be surprised, and, and CJ Smith can be on the team, and they can dress like fourteen forwards and have Jurgensen and Smith hang out. And I don't know. Just again, I just I'm I'm just not I'm not in a spot where I'm going to buy it until I see it. And the whole your actions show me your actions have actually showed me the complete opposite. So. To me, until you actually do it this season, it is all lip service. And, you know, I, and to wrap it up, you know, with the waving thing, I don't think you can just wave everybody. I think you have to trade some players. You can definitely, you can do it. It's not impossible. But again, what are you, what are you getting for Zemgis Gergensen's? You know, the guy whose name I have heard is out there if he doesn't make the team. But I mean, you're going to get a six round pick maybe if a team has a I'll spot take for it. Him. I mean, yeah, definitely you'll take it. But I don't, and then, and then don't forget, like, a guy like CJ Smith who has to go through waivers. So, I mean, there's that possibility too. Rusalainen, if he's close, do you keep him? Can Do you have a spot in the roster you can keep him? Or does he have to go back to Finland because you can't fit him in? So it's, it's just all these issues where you just, you didn't deal with your roster and get rid of, you know, the quote-unquote garbage. And this is where you are now. And it's it, it's going to be the talk of camp. It's going to be what we're going to follow the entire training camp. And I don't know, it, it's, it's frustrating that we're still here at this point. And this is where we are. We talked about this all summer. And I think it's kind of hitting me now, really, like the day before camp. Like, here we are. This is still the situation. Do we have some fun? Yes, but after <laughs> are we not? Break, are we not having fun? <laughs> <laughs> so we're at the time now. We are going to take a quick commercial break here, a quick thirty-second break, get the ad in, and then we're going to come back and we're going to have some fun, as Bill said. Uh, we have some more questions we're going to get to. We're going to get into those. Actually, some really good questions because I have my notes written down here that we haven't got to yet. So some really good questions coming. Uh, we'll get to that here after a quick thirty-second break. On the other side, this is you're listening to Beyond the Blade on the SB Nation Podcast Network. All right, welcome back to Beyond the Blade here on the SB Nation Podcast Network. A little Blink-182 playing us in. The song voted on by the fans to play us back in this week. So, Bill, you you got everybody all pumped up. You said we're going to have some fun here. So, I know you want to talk about something about the projections, too, so I don't want to blow by that either. But what's the fun you kind of have in mind here? Well, funny enough, Chad, the projections are the fun. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So nice how that works, huh? But yeah, I mean, uh, projections. Projections are always fun. We're training camp now, so preseason is right around the corner. And funny enough, the regular season is less than a month away. So coming up quickly, fellas. So since, Chad, you had your conversation with Dom this week, uh, Dom also two days ago tweeted out his point projections for each – well, not each of the Buffalo Sabres, but most of the Buffalo Sabres Mm -hmm. uh, that should be on the team this year. So a couple of them are interesting to me. Some of them high, I believe. Some of them pretty low. Uh, so I thought we could have a little bit of fun of kind of higher or lower uh, for goals and points on some of these players if you boys are ready to roll. Yeah, why not? That sounds good to me. Let's, have a little, let's, go, a little, let's go a little crazy here. All right, so let's, let's start with the, uh, the new $9 million man, right? Uh, let's go with Jeff Skinner. He has... 82 games played, 36 points or 36 goals, 65 points. Anthony, let's start with you. Higher or lower? I, can I take the even? Because I think that's probably right. Um, the the only 
the only thing that could maybe throw that is if if they really do go with kind of like an, a high octane line and put Victor Olofsson up there, I think that might bump it a little. But I I think that's probably fair. It's right around what he did last season. Um, he won't have Sam Reinhardt on his line, but he's still got Jack Eichel, which is obviously the main you know driver there. So yeah, I actually don't mind that projection at all. I'm gonna go with see this kind of. I'm going to cheat here. I'm going to answer another question at the same time. Because somebody asked about a player that I think is most likely for regression. I think Jeff Skinner is that guy. Uh, I mean, he. I'm not saying he's not going to score a lot of goals. So, I mean, he shot six goals above expected at five on five. He had a 14.9 shooting percentage. So, I mean, I don't know if he's going to score 40 again. Um, 36 also feels a little bit high for me. So, to be honest, I may take 30, whatever his assists are. And then, so I'll, I'll take the under. But I think that can be made up by potentially again, like like Anthony said, Victor Olsen or somebody else, you know, Johansson or Middlestad or Reinhardt, and then can make up those points. But for me, I'll take the slight under on that six, 36 goals, 65 points. So as you mentioned, Daniel did have the question, is there anyone we can expect to have clear regression from the season and what would it look like? Uh, Chad answering that question nicely with a Jeff Skinner. Although I will say regression from 40 goals is – can we really even call it regression? Add some low-hanging fruit. <laughs> right. I mean, exactly. But really, I was going to the roster. Like, I don't know who else am I going to pick to regress. I don't know. I mean, nobody else really had that great a season to pick on. Well, if we're talking about just strictly a point regression, Ristolainen would be a great candidate since he's probably not going to be on power play one again. I think Dom has him regressing significantly, doesn't he, Bill? Like 31 points. So not Five goals, we talked about it. points, yeah. Yeah. And he, he said, you know, that's, that was the main reason because he's going to lose his minutes. He's going to lose power play one. And, you know, they're probably going to give up to Darlene and give some other guys some opportunity. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's another good candidate for regression for sure. Yeah, trade deadline slash end of this season, five goals, 31 points. Who's trading for that? Yikes. Yikes. Especially if his defense doesn't improve, nobody. That's why it's hard to believe. People say just keep him and try to improve his value, and I don't think his value is going to get any better. Well, I did say fun, so let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> we went right back to Risto. <laughs> Uh, this one I think is interesting to me. I personally, not to persuade you guys, I don't think that would happen, but I think I would take the over here. Casey Middlestad, 18 goals, 43 points. I think I'm crushing the over, boys. Yeah, I'll go over. I think he gets over 20. Uh, uh, Point total, I think he's over 45. 45 to 50 is where I'll put him. Middle stats an interesting case, and kind of for the, and I'm going to use kind of the same logic I did for Skinner. It's going to depend who he's with. I mean, if, if they do move Reinhardt down to you know a, a full time quote unquote winger with Middle stat, yeah, I think he'll. I would also smash the over if they're going to hope he drives the line again, which I would think they wouldn't. But who knows? Uh, then maybe that's fair. But no, in in what I believe will happen, yeah, I'm also going to go with over. Okay, so. Next, we got a we got a smash on the over for Middlestad. Let's try and find it under. Let's go with I got Jimmy Vc here. I think this is an even, but sixteen goals, sixteen assists, thirty two points in eighty one games. The new guy, the awkward trade or the trade that we all question mark. Jimmy Vc, right in the wheelhouse, or are you guys going over or under? I think he scores more than sixteen goals. Um, so I'll I think go it's over twenty. I'll go over. I think I think he gets close to twenty, and I think he gets around thirty-five to forty points. So I'll actually go over here. Ooh, I like that. I'm also gonna say over because I have a weird feeling, maybe not a weird feeling, but a, a particular feeling that he's <laughs> gonna see a, a decent amount of, of top six time at some point. I think they might try to force him on the second line. I, I don't see them bearing him on the fourth line or anything like that. So 
Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go over. I think I'm with Chad on that. I can see a 20-goal season for him. Power play, too. I think power play could be big for him. That's a great point. That is actually a very good point. Uh, I'm going to skip over Olsen because he goes 9, 10, 19. Uh, I think if Under. We, <laughs> <laughs> I think if we all believe he's going to be uh, playing on one of the top two lines, uh, I believe that'll be way over. Uh, so I guess let's hit the top guys here. Eichel, 30 goals, 80 points. He talked about actually today how he believed he worked on his goal-scoring ability and he's ready to score a lot more goals this year. What are you guys doing? Is this, this is the part where I tell you where I don't think he has to do that. Like, he's like, like I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't really have a problem with his shooting. So many people do where he thinks he, can, he should score more goals. Like, I don't know. Like, just go be Jack Eichel and shoot like you normally shoot and let people clean up your rebounds. Like, if, like for a good example, like, if Jimmy Vesey's going to play up there, which I don't think would be a great idea, but if he does, like, those two are net front guys and clean up rebounds all day. So let Eichel shoot for rebounds. Let them just clean the garbage up. Like he's going to get his goals, but I'm, I'm just saying like this, that's just putting it out there. Anyways, answer the question, uh, 80 points, to be honest, I, I think he, if he stays healthy, I think he takes a jump this year. So I'm going to say he scores over 80 points. I don't know if he can score more than 30 goals, but I think he scores more than 80 points. Yeah. I am also going to smash the over on that one. I've got Eichel at around 90 points in my just personal projection. It's not database. It's just, <laughs> in your head what i think will happen um yeah he i, I don't see him taking a, even a smaller version anthony pulling out the database and his feelings going with the over <laughs> on the ankle here <laughs> so let's jump down one notch to our all-time favorite samson reinhardt no mm-hmm. it's no samson reinhardt slander here on the btb podcast oh, 25 goals tripes today. <laughs> <laughs> 25 goals 65 points you guys going over? Over. I'm gonna go over. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go over. I think Sam's gonna score around 70 points. Oof. And I'm also going. he's going to cost a, a lot of money for the Sabres, unfortunately. But really though, really quickly, those those new charts from Michael McCurry that he put together today and he released the you know, I I mean those year over year charts are impressive. I mean, what a plus twenty one point seven offensively last year? Like, are you kidding me? That's <laughs> insanity. But I, I don't know, like this is like I feel like this is this is the moment where I kind of try to retain myself from getting overly excited to tell you how good Sam Reinhardt is. But I, I think for the people out there that still question him, really need to understand that Eichel and Reinhardt are really not that far apart. Like Eichel, I think, is better, but Reinhardt is not that far behind him. And even Dom talked about this when we had our interview. Like there's there's arguments you can make over the first few years of them playing together, not last year, but the years prior, that Reinhardt might have had a, a bigger impact on helping Eichel than the other way around. So it's just Sam Reinhardt's really good, yo. Like he's a really good hockey player, and he's going to cost Sabres a lot of money, unfortunately. And that negotiation is going to be interesting how that goes next summer. But enjoy it because I think he's really good, and I think he scored more than sixty-five points. But Chad, Facebook told me that Jack Eichel's been carrying him this whole time, and he's actually not very good. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I think I think he'll he'll surpass that. Um, yeah, you're. Like you said, with the contract negotiation, that is going to be the biggest talking point next summer, uh, or, or actually leading up to next summer, I should say, because uh, he, he's—I have no doubt that he's going to kill it this year. He is kind of my closet M- or dark horse, I should say, MVP uh, for this coming season. I just—I really, really, really do like him, and uh, yeah, sixty-five points is a little conservative for me. I like it. See, look at this positive talk. We're all having fun. <laughs> 
<laughs> now let's, let's talk about Caliposo, where he does have like 10 <laughs> points in the rest of the <laughs> With that being said i uh <laughs> we're gonna save the rest of the protections for another time since we still have uh, a lot of off season to go here but i do want to tie a question into my last guy unless there's somebody else we want to talk about real quick chad i was gonna say, is it down where you're going yes sir okay then there you go all right so eric castellazzo sorry if i butchered that Realistic expectations for Darlene. Also curious about anything that can be learned from the data during Kruger's time in Edmonton. Uh, but we'll stick with the Darlene for now. Dom has 10 goals, 39 assists, 48 points, 82 games played for year two of Rasmus Darlene. Uh, I'll say like push. I, I think he's right around 40, 50 points. I, I think maybe we'll see improvement in his defensive play. Uh, I think he'll be a better defensive player. But I think his overall production, I think around 50 points is fair. So I'll go push here, I guess. Maybe push to a slide over. What was that? I uh, think we see a step up in physicality too as he starts to grow here. He's bigger. He's bigger. He showed up He showed up today bigger. He looks bigger. So he said he kind of has to be more physical. He kind of said they were kind of weak, what he said today, in the defense in their own zone. So I think so. I mean, he can do it. I mean, he laid some guys out last year. So you put some more mass in that body. He's not afraid to, to hit people. So. I definitely think you can see some more physical play from him. As well as a result in injury, I guess you could say. This might be the hardest I smashed the over on this projection. Wow. Right. I'm, I'm going to tell you something. I, I truly believe they're going to let that kid do a little bit uh, run wild this season, if that makes any sense. Uh, freewheeling, as people like to call it. Uh, he, come on. He's going he's gonna to be undebated, un, undisputed, rather, uh, first power play guy. He's yeah, going to be. Point. The I was going to say the power play could really. I think pump his numbers up. I mean, he, right, right. I mean, he had 44 points last season. I think that's right. Um, so yeah, no, I'm I'm smashing the hell out of the over on that one. What about 10 goals? Do you think it's more than 10 goals, or do you think it's more assists? I think more assists, but I wouldn't be surprised if he went over 10 goals. I think across the board on that projection, he goes over. Okay, fair enough. Uh, on the Kruger thing, quickly before we move off of this, I, I don't think there's really that much we're going to take from it. I mean, it was. I would agree. Yeah. It was years ago, and it's just – I don't know. I mean, and if you want to, Micah did some cool things with coaching. Uh, he has basically these kind of charts um, that you see for the players. He did the same thing for coaches. Um, I, I briefly looked at Kruger's, and it's almost like a push. It's like a zero and a zero. So there's not much you're going to really get out of it. Um, yeah, I mean, not not only was it one season, it was also a lockout-shortened season. So yep, you're not even going to really pull much from it. And it was seven years ago. Right, right. Actually ties into Andrew Utaro's question. Hey, Mr. funny man. Yeah, <laughs> Mr. Mr. List, as he's known around the Twitter world. Uh, if you're forced to make a new hockey stat that accounts for the impact a new coach can have, how would it work and what would you call it? And I think you kind of hit on it. Whoa. I don't know. Ask Micah. That'd be <laughs> Ask Micah. I mean, he did it all summer. I mean, I don't know. Whatever he calls it. Whatever Micah calls it, that's what call, I would do. Because he did call, it all Culture per 60. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know, man. I got nothing for you there. Sorry. I mean, would you would you agree that it's pretty much around deployment, right? It's really what the coach can deployment uh, usage. I mean, it, it's hard. Yeah. Systematic thing can be in it. I don't know. I mean, like some coaches are big on the left hand, right hand. Some are big on left wing, right wing. Some are F one, F two, F three. Some are dump and chase. Some are. I mean, every, every single coach in the world will tell you they want to play fast. So I mean, it's. I don't know. I mean, some prefer to dump. Some prefer to play with the puck on their sick more. Some prefer to have a more defensive system. Some prefer to push. So it's 
I don't know. It it really is hard to imagine like Dom said. So it, it's tough. And, you know, Micah spent, I think, a whole summer trying to yeah, somehow like measure be, and account for it. So Yeah, I feel like it would be just super intricate. I mean, the the data exists, right? Where where you can see if a team is more prone to yeah. being a dump in team, right? Like you were just saying, and 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 historical deployments, but you know, in the case of Kruger, a guy who, like we just said, hasn't coached in seven years and in a time when the data wasn't as sophisticated, that'd be hard. Um, but but it would it would take a lot of work and you probably wouldn't be able to divulge much from it anyway. And so, who knows how much yeah. he's learned over the seven years that he would change from what he did back then, right? I mean, that's the thing too, from studying the game itself, sure. what he's learned from, you know, being in the Premier League in Southampton, some of that stuff he wants to bring and kind of utilize. And, you know, I, I just think Kruger was an extreme wild card. And it's it just, it's hard to gauge anything out of that. But even it's all, I mean, coaches, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, they're, I mean, coaches win the Jack Adams and then they're fired the next year. So, I mean, you know, coaching, <laughs> it's so it's so up and down. It's hard to predict. And, you know, I, I give Micah credit for trying to put something to it. Cause you know, if you read that whole thing, you're out today, which is long, but also a lot of impressive, good information. Um, I think you did a good job with that, but that, that's the best answer I'm be able to give in any way type of coaching stat. Good stuff. Four left. You want me to just rattle them off? Go, hit them all. Let's go through it. Aaron Coulter, what would constitute for you guys for a su- successful training camp? Nobody gets hurt. Yes. I was going to say. It's a boring <laughs> it's answer, really but it. it's the right answer. Yep. <laughs> and I, I guess I, for me, it also would be a glimpse into maybe what we're about to see this season. Brad Urbanowitz, can you guys discuss why Jack needs to play more on the defensive side more and more and more? Ah, if you took notes of that today. So I was ready for this question. I saw that one. So I'll kind of jump in first here because I recently wrote an article about it. So I kind of have information lock and key here. But even, um, you know, Micah's new charts today where he had that new information in there where some of that coaching aspect is added in, some teammates information. That's in general, how much stuff he takes into his charts. If you look at it, the year over year, the last two years, Michael has actually been um, a negative, which means good, uh, defensive impact player. So. Um, he's a negative shot suppression player when defensively. So, I mean, there's, there's the last two years with Housley, he's been over a 60% zone start guy. I, I think he needs to be around 55%, I think, uh, moving forward. And I, I think that kind of, no, oh, 55% or lower. Um, he definitely will get more offensive zone starts. And that's just the way it is. And that's kind of how it should be. He saw more defensive zone starts at the end of last season. I think he did well with that. Uh, his numbers didn't really drop. He was still productive. Just the thing is, just he's, He's at that age now. We've been in the league long enough where I think he can accept some more responsibility on the ice. Uh, I think he can handle it. He is one of the best transition forwards in the league, especially in terms mm-hmm. of zone exits with the puck. So, you know, if he loses a draw, his faceoff percentage isn't great, but I think he still has the ability to go get the puck and then get it out of the zone on his own. And having to hopefully better defensive partners, I think, will also help him too in that aspect. So I, I think it's – I mean, you need to find ways to take pressure off of Larson to not be a – 84% defensive zone start guy. So I think it kind of starts with Eichel taking some of that responsibility. And in Bill, I mean, this is right up your alley, man. Penalty kill threat, right? I mean, mm, I was hoping you'd go there. Let him get out there. Let him, again, I, I talked before, I, I wouldn't do it all the time. I don't want to risk injury, but I think maybe at the end of a power player, maybe right off the draw, kind of to get that something out there, even in certain game situations, if you're trailing, to get him out there and give opportunities to try to score scoring chances because he's shown, he's shown he could do that. He's done it before last year and he's given the chance. So, that's where I'm at at it. I, I think that's a no-brainer. I think he's ready for it, and I think this coach has to embrace that and let him do that. Weaponize it, baby. Weaponize everything you can. Offense is the best defense. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no need to protect Jack Eichel. You know what I mean? If that makes any sense. I think that deployment strategy is kind of what you'd use for for a guy who needed sheltering in the defensive zone, and and he doesn't. You know what I mean? He's he's um, like you just said, one of the best transition players, probably the best on the team. So yeah, he, he the opportunity is there to deploy him as an all around center, and he's capable of doing it. So. Yes, I do believe he needs to play in the defensive zone more than he is, but then it's kind of a fickle balance, right? Where, I mean, 60% is high, no doubt, but I mean, you don't want him deployed 50-50 because that's it's a little bit too much the other way. So like you just said, 55% sounds right, and I am also an advocate of Eichel on the PK. I think he's capable of it. I think it would have nice results. Let him use that long stride. All righty, last two, Wu-Tang. Hypothetically, let's say Cousins is 100% is in for the whole season. Where do you see rank amongst Sabres forwards, generally ranking them best to worst? This one I actually find interesting because I want to hear what you say and then I have a follow-up. It's, it's hard for me. I'm, I don't want to cop out here one way I am. It's hard for me because I, I just don't see it as realistic. But, like, I, I don't know if he's it, – it's hard because, I I mean, I'm trying to project where an 18-year-old kid is going to be rated juniors, right? It, it's – Especially a kid who didn't get a full off season with that thumb injury either. You know, I mean that that kind of I think right. this a little bit. It's it's hard. You know, it's I, I don't know. I mean, realistically, what is he a third line player probably? So what does that make him around your ninth or tenth best player? I would say realistically on this team. So I don't know. It, it, it's hard. I mean, maybe I still have better answers than I will. It just it's just hard for me to get my head around it and kind of realistically do that when I just don't think it, there's a good possibility of that happening at all. Yeah, I think it would bode really poorly for him. I, I mean, I don't think there's enough talented wingers right now to to kind of support a young player in middle stat, let alone an 18-year-old in Cousins. It's just Sabres aren't built for that right now. Um, so and you can't yeah, shelter I, two forwards, right? I mean, you got to kind of in a way so shelter middle side. You can't exactly, shelter with exactly. the other center. Yeah, Cousins. I mean, unless they're going to put him on the wing. Right. right, unless they're – yeah, and they wouldn't move one of them to the wing, not this early, I don't think. So, yeah, if – I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's realistic. But if it were to happen, I think it would bode horribly. I agree with you, both of you, 100%. I, I think when I read this question, I think what I was trying to get at is that so much of the dead weight wasn't cut off that you guys would say that he's better than, you know, uh, he's a top 12 forward, meaning that, you know what I'm saying? I'm not even sure he is, though, to be honest. I mean, really, I, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I mean, maybe I haven't seen him in a training camp against NHL talent. Just, I, I don't know. I mean,. And what you want Dylan Cousins to do for you, I mean, I don't, he needs you know, is he going to play Johan Larson's role on the fourth line? I mean, you need him to be a scoring center. Right. So I, I don't, I don't know. And it's, it's hard unless you're going to, unless you're going to like cover him with like Sherry and Rodriguez or something like that. I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, I, I just, again, it gets back to the point where I, I can't, I can't shelter two centers right now. Like I, I got to fix middle stat and then I'll worry about Cousins next year. That's kind of where I'm at right now. Last one. And I saved this for last because. 50th he's the longest saber that would have still be here just rob do you think it's more likely that pominville gets an offer after the season starts give him some time to see how camp shakes out with the younger players which vets they can ship out if they can pominville is already a known quantity well listen i think you know that my whole stance on it is he should be playing somewhere in the league this year now it, it, he really only wants to play in montreal or buffalo it appears uh but Honestly, my read of the situation, I think the only way he is in Buffalo this year is if there's some sort of rash of injuries and they need to sign a forward. Then I think he's brought back. But other than that, I just 
I don't think, which is a shame because he, he he did a good job last year, and I still think he still has some left in the tank, and he still I think could make sense to play with Eichel and Skinner this year if you put him up there to start and then kind of rotate him to the lineup. I think he could still be a be an impact forward, and you know some nights maybe he's your thirteenth forward on back to back nights. You rest him to kind of make sure he's ready for the entire season. So I don't know it's a shame, but I realistically don't think it's an option unless there's some sort of injury run here. Yeah, there, there's just there's just too many heads. Um, it's it's unfortunate because I think he's better than a lot of them. Um, and yeah, I mean he de- he definitely has something left in the tank. I think we're, all three of us are pretty, you know, relatively high on his performance from last season. Um, I think he did enough to earn another deal, but uh, I just don't see it happen. That's a wrap, boys. Thanks to everyone that reached out and submitted questions. Very good this uh, this time around. Um, but yeah, good stuff. Great questions. Very good questions. I mean, like, like I said, and the questions were so good. I, I said to Bill earlier, when they were kind of coming in, you know, I was like, maybe kind of this week, we just let the questions kind of gather conversation. I think they did a good job, and I think there was a lot of good discussion off of those questions. So it was, it was definitely helpful to get those to come in. Everyone's getting back into preseason slash regular season form. For sure. Definitely for sure. So here's the one thing we're going to end on a, on, a, on a funny note in a way, but also on a bad note, but it'll be funny. So – Let's say you guys open Twitter tomorrow. You're scrolling through. It's like 9.45 in the morning. What is the one thing you don't want to see me tweet about the lineup tomorrow? Mm. Anthony, you can go first. Oh, that, I know we talked about this already, but Scandella and Ristolainen is a pairing. <laughs> um, they've actually tried that crazy experiment with Ristolainen at forward. No, I'm just kidding. Um <laughs> I don't want to see Jimmy VC with anyone who is not, or it, oh, I should say it this way. I don't want to see VC away from at least one winger or one fellow linemate rather that isn't defensively competent. If that doesn't make, if that makes any sense at all, I, I don't need to see, I, I don't need him with guys who are also defen- defensively deficient. I okay. really, really did a great job on that one, but you get the idea. <laughs> uh, but, but no, in all, in all seriousness, the worst thing I could see is Aristo Scandal pairing. Uh, so I don't know if this would be the absolute worst, but I think if tomorrow you tweet out that Skinner, Eichel, and Reinhardt are together. No, that doesn't be mine. That doesn't be mine. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we all lose our minds because we're struggling now with what the other pairings are going to be. And if they stick those three together again, yikes, it's going to be a disaster for the bot, uh, for secondary scoring for a second year in a row. Well, what, five years in a row? <laughs> right. I was going to say, well, it's more than yeah, <laughs> quite a while. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be mine. I, I think it's. Yeah, the Scandella wrestling thing would be bad. I, I think that would be it too. If like Skinner, Eichel, and Reiner like take the first rush together, like I, I don't know, I, I might have to, like just walk around the building really quick and then go back to my seat because that'll, I don't know. It, it's not like <laughs> Skinner, Eichel, Reinhardt line quote tweeted on a Justin Falk for case. Right. <laughs> <laughs> happy, happy training camp, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that'd, that'd be the worst. That would, that would really be bad. Yeah. <laughs> putting his hands in his head and walking out after that one. Kind of like yeah. Thompson on the first line that we were talking about last. Yeah, that Tage Thompson's an interesting one. I, I want to know what they're going to do with we him. We didn't even really talk about him. Honestly. We didn't. Because we forget about him all the time. We're like, oh, yeah, Tage Thompson. Like, yeah, he's still I – don't, I guess he's in a – I don't know what they're going to do with him. I have no idea what they're going to do with him. For all I know, he's going to be in the top line tomorrow because I have no idea what they're going to do with him. <laughs> I mean, I that, him, so like you know, I think if that mega line thing ends up happening again, Chad's just gonna—it's like gonna be a dramatic scene from the end of a movie. 
we were Chaz just walking out of Harbor Center and he removes his saber shirt to reveal a Carolina bunch of jerks t-shirt under it and just like walks <laughs> off into the sunset. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's a good. That's a good way Never to see it from again. Put some visual. Visual. <laughs> yeah, I am going to North Carolina. I'm going. <laughs> Funny enough, all he's doing is driving to Ritzek. <laughs> <laughs> uh, funny enough. That, that, yeah, that's actually. It, I should. We should mention that because Anthony and I are be heading to RITSAC on Saturday. That'll be tons of fun to learn from some smart people and meet some of those smart people in person and um, maybe bring a little bit of more number smart intelligentness to this podcast that we don't be lack or something. I don't know, but yeah, I'm excited for it. I'm looking forward to it. Um, that's like going back to number school, I guess you could say, but with hockey soft thrown in. So I'm really excited for it. It's my first one I'm going to, and it should be a good time and learn a lot. So I'm looking forward to that. All right. So that'll be a wrap on episode 104 of on the blade again the preseason edition because well pre-training camp edition pre well, i guess preseason edition too either way whatever it, it's pre-something edition <laughs> so uh, i'll do my little spiel here at the end make sure you're following everybody on twitter um at chandra sports at cmd to uh at btb hockey i think in at bill shockey for bill even though he's never really on there unless he wants to throw jabs at us randomly <laughs> uh, and that bill's not really on there so make sure you're following everybody uh, make sure you're rate share subscribe itunes google play spotify uh, i know spotify was an issue last time but that feed has been corrected so for those spotify listeners out there you should be good to go on that and yeah i think that's it so um i have three analytics interviews next week i know anthony has a few of the Divisional interviews coming up next week as well, and then we'll try to get a normal podcast back out. Uh, There's a there's a preseason game Monday and Tuesday, so we'll probably get back together after that. So that is going to be a wrap this week. Thanks for listening again. Thank you for the questions that came in. Really appreciate it. I hope you enjoy the conversation here. Uh, Enjoy training camp. Enjoy preseason hockey. It's nice to see hockey back again. So a lot more to talk about. A lot to chew. Lots to dive into. Uh, should be interesting next month here leading up to the regular season. So we will talk to you again very soon. Thanks for listening. For Chad, Bill, and Anthony, we are out of here. See ya. See ya.